0: Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, and we continue our series looking at what makes a modern NFL offense. And joining me, I'm very excited to talk with A.J. Smith, who is the wide receivers coach and co-offensive coordinator with the Houston Roughnecks of the XFL. And AJ, I just want to tell you that people on this podcast, people who listen to the show, realize how excited I am to talk to you, having you having worked in the XFL, because I love the heck out of the XFL. And I was very sad when you know it got shut down, like so many other things with COVID. But your Roughnecks were dominant. You went 5-0. and oh, You deserve championship rings. And uh, it's very cool to talk with you, man. I know. Thanks for bringing me
1: on, and we're we're coming back. It ain't over yet. Might might have been a hiccup, and I don't like this whole XFL 3.0. That it, it, it's it's still the XFL, baby. We're coming back, so okay. We're ready to roll.
0: All right, good. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I am excited to see what changes the Rock has in store for us uh, with the XFL. But I really thought that of all the leagues that have ever tried to come back or try to, you know, there was the UFL and there was the first XFL and the AAF. Uh, that the XFL had it figured out the most. The quality of play was terrific. And you guys had PJ Walker, who's the backup quarterback this year for the Carolina Panthers. So you and I uh, talked initially um, uh, for an article about play calling. And maybe before we dive deep into the modern offenses and and what it means. You could talk about working with June Jones and the process of designing your offense and what goes on kind of on a weekly basis, because again, um, you know, excited to talk with you, but also about June Jones, because that's um, if you grew up in the nineties, watching the NFL, you know, run and shoot, you know, his philosophies, or if you're a late night college football watcher of Hawaii, then you know, those things. So I'd love to hear you talk about the process of designing an offensive game plan and executing it? Yeah, well,
1: first off, when you start talking about game planning and offensive schemes and stuff like that, I think you 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 come down to two things in identity. you got to figure out who you're going to be, and that simply comes down to, to two things. You're either going to be a team that runs to set up the pass, which is probably 80% of the NFL now, uh, though it's, a, it's evolving the other way, uh, or you're going to be a, a team that passes to set up the run, and what June did Going all the way back to, like you just mentioned, the 80s and NFL with the Oilers, they passed the set up the run when there was only a handful of teams, maybe one to two with him and Bill Walsh and Corey Elliott had done it before that, that thought like that. What made them so different was saying, hey, we're going to do only four wide receiver sets, which was unheard of. And that's almost a standard now in the NFL. Uh, so you got to figure that out. And then so when each week you're going into it, you uh, I would say about 60 to 70% is what you do. This is who we are. We've been practicing this since training camp. Uh, You know, you just now you're deciding in your game plan, when am I going to call it? Do I like it on first and 10? Do I like it on second and five? Because like I've mentioned when we talked before, it's not all of a sudden fourth and two and you don't know what play you're going to call. And it's like Madden where there's a hundred plays and you're trying to pick one. No, there's three (laughs) plays that's been discussed all week This is how we're going to do it. And then so then that last 30 percent. So 70 percent is what you do. That last 30 percent is kind of the uh, element of surprise. It's like going into war. This is my chance to kind of hit you with a sneak attack. Maybe I've shown you when I'm in this formation, say it's a tight trips look. We are 100 percent pass to the right. And it's it's always this one play. So defenses will overcoach that. And they'll say, hey, every time it's this, and then now we know that. We got the analytics too. We'll go, hey, we're going to run a screen to the left because they're going to pass pros harder and go over here to the right, run the screen to the left. Let's see if it works. Now you're getting into some new plays um, and game planned in, and that's kind of a general sense of how that world works. Uh, a lot of tendency breakers, a lot of just doing what you're doing and game planning
0: when and where you're going to call it. I definitely want to get into the run to set up the pass or pass to set up the run because Vikings fans know exactly where their team and their head coach stands on that matter. Um, and it's yeah. the exact opposite of June Jones, but I want to follow up on, on the analytics point because, um, Gary Kubiak has mentioned, you know, that they get so many different numbers every uh, Monday and they look them over and they kind of break down, you know, different things that they get from a numbers perspective from a journalist using numbers. We look at things like what PFF says, uh, about the grades, we look at play action numbers, we look at, you know, uh, how often you run on second down and 10, for example, like we can look at all of those things. But when you're actually trying to use those numbers to succeed against an opponent, how do you apply them?
1: Yeah, the numbers I could see where that could overwhelm you because especially pro football folk is unbelievable. I mean, that's like replacing young coaches. <laughs> you just, it's a boom, everything is right there. I think one thing that there's so much numbers based on coverages and statistics and it gets so analytical on the schematic part, some of these numbers you got to use to your advantage go back to just football. And what I mean by that are players. What is this player's numbers? I'll give you an example that there was a safety on a team up north in the XFL that was giving up 47% of passes that were thrown his way, which led the whole league. So forget about, hey, I'm gonna get the perfect call versus how do we get our best guy on this guy deep down the field? Cause we got a 47% chance if we just push it down the field to this guy. Uh, those are things I think we looked at first before we got to the schematics. And then, so you take that information and then you start looking at it and you're going, okay, how do we get this guy one-on-one? Because at the end of the day, football is numbers. And basically every coverage there is, there's some type of one-on-one given up. Even in cover two, you're running backs first to Mike one-on-one. When you think you got too deep down the field where you got one on one underneath on a three deep zone you're one on one with the corner so how do we get this safety one on one well what we did was uh, we, we figured out a tendency when they're an empty they were covered to 80% of the time so we ran a scissors route right at them which made them have to choose one or the other and we went deep right at them and guess what we scored <laughs> it was uh, and, and there's you know analytics like that playing through where it's it's not so much of you know you line up like this here's it's, it's not always about coverages so uh there, there's just so much data out there that if you're a weakness as a player or a weakness as a play caller it'll get exposed.
0: Yeah. And that's a really great point and we can apply it to the Vikings this year that their roster had some severe weaknesses of uh, players that, and I, I don't mean disrespectfully, but could be playing for you in the XFL uh, in the future, you know, guys who just are real fringe NFL type of players who could be sort of bounce around type of guys who were playing 600, 700, 800 snaps. And what we saw as we went along was opponents figured this out and they started to attack and every third down and 10, uh, uh, we're seeing the left guard get attacked on a stunt or a twist or something like that every single time as the season went along. And you've got to figure that's, you know, opponents figuring out, all right, this is where your weakness is and this is how we're going to attack it. And then it's your job um, to try and fix it. The run pass ratio thing is really fascinating because. The Vikings traded Stefan Diggs to the Buffalo Bills, and then they decided they were going to throw to him every play. I mean, it's remarkable the number of yards and catches and targets that he got. And I think that, you know, that's a team in Buffalo who decided they were going to pass to set up the run, um, you know, or just keep passing in, in their case against Miami. And the Vikings have committed to the we're going to run Delvin Cook first, and then we're going to play action off of that. I I just want you to break down kind of the different philosophies behind that. Um, I think that just from talking with you, you're more of a pass to set up the run guy. And I agree that a lot of the more modern offenses are going that way. But we still do see, you know, Shanahan is doing, uh, you know, a lot of successful things in the run. Even the Packers, who have an insanely good passing game, are still doing a lot of things, play action off of the run. So kind of break down the differences between those philosophies.
1: Well, I think it's funny you bring up the Bills because if there's any, any team that does what we did in the Houston Roughnecks, it, it is the Bills. June has a relationship with their offensive coordinator that we were sending film and started when they drafted Cole Beasley, who June played for uh, uh, at SMU. And he, he started asking questions about the run and shoot and they started doing some of our drills. And if you watch their game, you'll see things that we've done and they spread it out and they're very close to what we do. And I think you know, you talk about having a modern offense. Uh, it's it's always, even in June, you talk about a guy that I was doing in the 80s, and in 2020, his offense looked nothing like what you saw Warren Moon back then. And right. it, it's always trying to stay one step ahead of the game. And I, that's what I, with the Bills, they were, that, that, their offensive coordinator was always looking for something. What can give me that edge? What can give me that edge? So, uh, you know, the pass to set up the run is basically saying we believe our quarterback can be the best player out on the field. We have high risk, high reward, but we're going to do this so much. No matter what coverage you run, our quarterback's always going to get right. And I think especially with you're starting to see more spread sets in the NFL, quarterbacks coming out of the draft, and you look at this draft and the last two drafts, they don't need five or six years like Aaron Rodgers had to go through anymore. It's a almost out there first year. I mean, Mahomes was he was given the keys the second year. And what's happening is you know through the last ten, I don't know if it's a Madden generation. I don't know if it's all the seven on seven. These quarterbacks are way smarter than what they used to be. And also, what I think is key is they're also way mobile way more mobile of a generation in the last 10 years than we had ever in the NFL. So what happens is when you spread them out, even now as tall as he just can move around, same thing with Rodgers, you're playing now 11 on 11 instead of 10 on 11. You have to account for that quarterback. So when you when you pass the setup, that run, basically, and we'll flip it to the other because it's, it's I'm going to say the exact same thing for that one. I'm just going to flip the script you're saying we're going to pass no matter what. You can't stop us. These are our best plays. But when we decide to run the ball, uh, it's going to be for chunks of yards. So usually those type of teams, like run and shoot teams, will average. I, I remember our draw play in the XFL averaged nine yards per carry. <laughs> yeah, A lot of people yeah. would take that, and then I thought, oh, my God. My. So what we always said was, well, you know, that's great. We average nine yards per carry on the draw. Uh, but we're not going to run it more. We're just going to run it further. That's it's <laughs> always been our philosophy. We're just we're going to continue to put up massive yards because we, we've done such a good job that now these these coordinators don't want to play aggressive and blitz you and, and, and be – well, now they're playing too high and they're giving up a guy in the box and they're so scared about your deep ball that they got to give that up. And now you're really eking out them. I think it's Bill Walsh who said this. He said, uh, you know, if you run the ball – on the defense and get three yards, they think uh, you know you just kicked their ass. But if you throw a swing route and get three yards and they stop you, they think they kicked your ass. <laughs> it's still That's three totally yards. totally right. Yeah. And, and, and Bill Walsh did say that, I remember now. And so, you know, it's just getting to – I don't know, I like how you're calling this. It. It's just the modern – three yards is three yards. This is our new modern way of doing it, playing in space – all 11 guys using our speed, spreading out. And there's so much money uh, on the quarterback these days too. We'll put it on him. We're going to put it on him to do it. And then, you know, there's the, the old school philosophy. And I think who's doing it better than anybody right now is Tennessee. And they are a run to set up the pass. And now it's flipped. We're going to run power at you. We're going to run ISO at you. We're going to get three yards. There's nothing you can do to stop us. Put all 11 guys in there. We're, we're going to get our three yards. But when we throw it, it's going to be for the touchdown. Right. Just like when we run it, it's going to be for massive yard. When we th- so that's really the difference between the two. And I can tell you that it's much easier to run the football, just take the ball, go north and south, than it is to pass it. You have to catch it. There has to be timing. Uh, it has to be thrown properly. It has to be blocked. So that's what I'm saying. When you do those things, it doesn't matter what the defense does. When the quarterback is the best player on the field, and execute at a high level, that's where you always see the winners. You just look to the quarterback and uh,
0: yeah. Want to remind you to go to sodastick.com to get your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. There are many great designs. Someone on Twitter recently sent their John Randall shirt and there's the Can't Stop the Thielen hats, the Techmobile throwback shirt and much more. All of their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. We're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. Use the code Purple Insider for free shipping. That's S O T A S T I C K dot com soda stick original Minnesota sports inspired goods code purple insider for free shipping. Well, and from uh the other thing about the the pass, um, to kind of go back to that old saying of what three things can happen, two of them are bad or whatever, right? Um, but uh, from an expected points added perspective, you see that sacks are real drive killers and. You know, I think that a lot of those coaches who want to run to set up the pass, and at least we see this in Minnesota, is they're trying to kind of limit how much damage their quarterback can do to them. Um, and you know, sometimes that might be good. And sometimes that might not be good. I mean, in the case of Kirk cousins, he still was toward the top of the league in interceptions and sacks. So it didn't really limit the amount of damage he could do because unfortunately for them, they were in third and four all the time, because like you said, if you get two, three yard runs or you get a five yard run, and then you get stuffed at the line of scrimmage, then all of a sudden you're in third downs. And I noticed, uh, one of the guys from PFF did a study on third downs that found that third and two isn't that much different than third and eight in terms of the percentage chance that you're going to get uh, a big play off of it, or that you're going to convert. There's not a massive difference once you get to third and three, third and four. Um, So you want to stay out of those obviously. And Vikings fans saw cousins get sacked a lot on third and four, third and five. Um, But I think that it can work though. If you don't turn the ball over and you don't take sacks and if you have deep weapons. And so I don't think that the Vikings running to set up the pass is like the worst thing in the world. Um, I, I think I understand why they do it and it can work, but they can't have those big negative plays.
1: I, what I would say about this with all the money they've put in the cousins, you would think it would be the opposite because yeah. he's getting yep. paid to be one of the best in it, but he's not given the opportunity to do it. And I love cousins. I, I love his work ethic, going back to the Redskins and requesting his own offense and just drawing up plays and plays and plays. But, uh, You know, you mentioned the sacks. Good spread teams, you rarely see sacks as an issue because they get the ball out so fast and they practice pass pro, pass pro, and they see defenses spread out. The situation you're describing is when these these run defense and they're under center and they boot and their play action takes three seconds, and they're up against a you know a run defense who may be run blitzing or something and gets a guy. That happens all the time because those guys aren't used to pass blocking. They're they're looking at nine guys instead of five or six. And uh, yeah, that can be a big uh, drive killer. But it's interesting you bring up the third and two and third and eight. It made me remember one quote from uh, a time hanging out with Matt Rule, with uh, who's with the Panthers now, and he was giving this big lecture about third downs, and he started talking about uh, all this study he had done in the CFL. Because in the CFL, he's basically said that's where you learn how to convert your 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 possessions in each drive. Because in the CFL, you basically have to look at it as second and ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what he was saying was how do you stay how do you get a high third uh, third down percentage as far as your ratio of completing it or moving the sticks stay out of third down it's <laughs> right. right. like you just said third and two to third and eight in the league this year is almost identical so if you can get your first and ten calls the second and five and convert them second and five you're good I remember he said this too that always stuck out to me that if it was second and one and the ball is in the air somebody's getting fired <laughs> <laughs> you got to go with the the you know analytics and precision. You get that one yard, boom! You're staying out of third down, and so yeah, there's some good stuff in that.
0: Yeah, and uh, I I think that um, when Vikings fans are thinking about their current offense, and maybe it's possible that Gary Kubiak is going to walk away after this year, and then you know they'll have an opportunity to have somebody else that they're looking for the run pass ratio uh, and the philosophy to kind of just move the slider a little bit more because even some of the offenses that you're talking about that are similar to the Vikings, they still throw it a little bit more or they only are running when it's when it's when when they're ahead. And, and that's another thing that I think a lot of the offenses will do uh, that are the best is you'll get ahead with the pass and then finish teams off with the run. And even Seattle that was based around Marshawn Lynch for a long time, it was Russell Wilson getting them ahead and then beast mode finishing it off and mm-hmm. you know maybe give him the ball at the goal line. I'm just saying, but um, you know, I, th- I think that that's a, a really interesting discussion to have, but knowing that second down and 10 is not a time that you want to run and get to third and five is a problem that the Vikings seem to have consistently. And I think just understanding kind of the data and the math on that would help them immensely go from a very good offense to a great offense.
1: Yeah, and and just to build off that too, I mean, you know, again, it all goes back always goes back to your trigger man and and, and what you believe he can do, and I I would just love to see because even thinking about cousin's time at Washington, I just love to see him have the opportunity to say, hey, be alpha, you know, we're gonna yep. give you two plays, you check to the best one because quarterback is a position you can only get better at when you actually play it. You can practice as much as you want until you get that game experience. And with the scheme, uh, it's just, it's you can't get better from it so just to see him do that I, I, I'd love to see that and I think it's just a trend and what you're asking and you're seeing more and more of the the old school way of uh, moving moving away from that and opening things up I just think that's that's the way it's it's being done with the top teams in the league right now and and it'd be interesting to see cousins in that type of offense because I think he could do it.
0: Uh, People have have probably gotten tired of me bringing up this stat, but uh, if you look at the expected points added from passing. Uh, all of the last 10 teams to make the Super Bowl were in the top five and expected points added in passing. And the Vikings have never been there with Kirk Cousins or at any point during Mike Zimmer's career. And it's interesting you mentioned like giving the keys to Cousins because early in the 2018 season they did, but Mike Zimmer got frustrated with some of the play calling because he wanted more running. And then there was headbutting between he and John Filippo, which ultimately led to them changing to the current system that they want to use now. So it's kind of, um, you know, the uh, interpersonal dynamics that go on when it comes to deciding on what the head coach wants, what the offensive coordinator wants, and and all those types of things. Now, I want to ask you about some of the kind of the details of modern offenses that um, are are interesting to me. And one that gets brought up a lot is motions, uh, because I think you see a lot of the more successful offenses using a ton of different motions. And maybe um, you can explain kind of why that works so well because the numbers point to you should be doing this a lot and the vikings were not necessarily last year
1: yeah it's funny you bring up the motion because uh june and mouse were really ones the first ones to use it almost every play if you remember the old school run and shoot Uh, They would either motion across or motion in and motion out. And it was, and it's what McVeigh came back to and kind of brought it back was to try to just to see the coverages. Are you running with me? And if you watch those receiver motioning, uh, they're, they're looking, they're not just coming across as fast as they can. They're looking for one high, two high. They're looking for keys and indicators. And, you know, we start out that way in Houston every training camp just so we can get those guys making sure they're looking down the field for stuff and not just have something predetermined in their head they're about to do. And uh, then we kind of evolve to it because they – away from it because they know now the coverage and stuff. But I'll, I'll say this about motion, and uh, it's, a, it's a saying in coaching that when, you know, an offensive motion comes, it causes, it causes a defensive emotion. So motion crosses emotion and you'll see it where, you know, they're all set. You're in trips. You're going to do this. All of a sudden, so motions in the cross ball snap. Okay. Do I have three or number two? Cause a lot of things I've made motion, difficult is because how defenses are trying to outsmart themselves with these complex coverages and matching zone where they got to know who number one and number three so when it happens just like that it's no longer man i'm taking the flat i got the hook like the old school way of doing i'm taking right. my deep bird here they're so complex that you'll see a middle safety just the uh, jump a shallower out because that's what his rule is and he's leaving the seam right o- over the middle and just think of all the highlights you've seen the teams doing that mainly i think who's made it who's done the best job of it has been the rams in the past three years uh but yeah and uh, with them doing that and have such a high success the analytics are are favoring way towards their side and it, it, and it's difficult to prepare for but you saw what belichick was able to do when they knew it was coming was to show one thing and then present another which is a big reason why we kind of evolved from it because teams will get smart uh in doing that, so there there's some pros, but some cons to it as well. It can trick you.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's the fun part about football, right? Is that it's always evolving, and there's always that cat and mouse uh, chess game going on. And and I I've noticed, and tell me if you have too, in, in studying these things closely, that I think that the NFL is going back to two safeties playing deep. Um, and and I think the teams that did it against the Vikings had more success as opposed to loading up the box and playing one single high safety because of the number of play actions is just shooting up even offenses that aren't necessarily a Kubiak like bootleg offense are using a lot of different play actions and stuff and I I think that that's sort of the uh, the reaction to the way that things have been going have you noticed that yourself yeah I would say uh, it's
1: it's all relevant there's still going to be these these guys that are three deep and man free and and then there's going to be these cover two guys, but I think quarters, the the whole match coverages is getting a little bit more popular. You're seeing more teams do them. Uh, but that's, I think it's all preference to what the, the defensive coordinator likes and what he's doing. And, but that, you know, with defensive guys, it's, it's different because on offense, we're going to do it what, what we do and defensive guys, they're always reacting. Hmm, they're, yeah. It's just the name of being defense. So, uh, the name of game on defense so if they see something and it worked for one team I mean I I know this is college football but just think about uh what Mike Leach was doing this year and one team played three down and drop eight and then that's all he saw for the rest of the year (laughs) and even the Saban who's never played three down drop eight uh but now all of a sudden that's so some of that is adapting and reacting to what's working versus this particular week and and boom
0: so yeah it's it's it'll continue to get popular I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive a personal cover, as part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q and A's with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and e-learning course full of tips and tricks, and on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge for an initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that wants to grow, Hustle is an open door leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today Go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, before we uh, wrap up, and this has been um, fantastic, uh, just just as I hoped because I knew that you're an incredibly knowledgeable guy, I want you to give me your top three favorite uh, 90s run and shoot players. Um, because I'll tell you from, from my perspective, the Atlanta team, that June coach that had, I think what Eric Metcalf was on that team and Michael Haynes and Jeff George has a winning season and just throws the ball over the place. To me, that's my favorite one, but the Houston Oilers with Haywood, Jeffries, Ernest Givens, Lorenzo white coming on the backfield, Warren moon, who's obviously well-liked here in Minnesota. I mean, those, <laughs> those are my favorites. The one that I could use on the old, um, super tech Mobile games, <laughs> the Sega Genesis. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but- you're one of my favorite three players or teams? Give it uh well, either one. You can go with teams if you want. Teams.
1: Well, uh I mean the favorite one by far. I'll go team. I'll go one fed fa- There's only one favorite team that stands out, and then we'll talk favorite players, but the 91 Falcons. Oh man, with uh C Mill, who was our quarterback coach with the Roughnecks, Chris Miller and uh That's Andre Ryzen, right. Michael Haynes. <laughs> And it's one of the greatest plays in football history happens. So they go 11-5, and five, and they're, they're dubbed like the most fun team in the NFL. Uh, they have MC Hammer in their videos, you know, <laughs> on that team, and the whole team is too legit to quit. They're all in that video. And so they go to New Orleans for the first round of the playoffs. And that game, they get up 27-20 to 20, or 28-21. It, it was, it was, they're up a touchdown. And so they're they're driving down the field. In New Orleans is to try to tie the game, and boom, intercepted with about 45 seconds left. Everyone go look at this on YouTube. This is the most like. And even I've ta- I've had this talk with Deion Sanders, and he goes, "Man, we we're ignorant. We we're so ignorant." So <laughs> what happens is, the Kyer picks it off, and the rule was okay. You get the you get the pick, get the ball to Dion because Dion was going to take it back. So the game's over. Playoffs on the line, 45 seconds left, boom, the ball's starting to get pitched back on defense. And they pitch this thing all the way back to Dion, who rolls to the right, and as he's getting tackled, pitches it back again, boom, touchdown. And the game's over. The game is completely over. They just need to kneel it and take the knee. Yeah. They're playing pitch back to go make it a two-score game. It's one of the most craziest, but that was the 91 Falcons under Jerry Glanville. June Jones yes. was the offensive coordinator. Both of them are, are like fathers to me. I mean, uh, just, just look up 91 Falcons. You'll And see, the thing about that team, too, is that team historically, and you got to think of all the great offenses, 1998 uh, Vikings when they had Randy Moss and Chris Carter. Think about 07 with Tom Brady, uh, Wes Welker, Randy Moss, okay? All those great offenses the, ever, the 91 Falcons were the most explosive team in NFL history. If you looked at yards per play outside of the red zone, not scored. Hmm. So when I say most they had the most yards when they threw a touchdown than any other team in NFL history. Now I had a lot to do with Michael Haynes. I mean, he, uh, he was unbelievable. Yeah. He would catch an 80 yard touchdown this run in the nine route, and, uh, and they would throw it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, by far in the NFL, the '91 Falcons. And you just talk about players, and you mentioned them, Warren Moon. I mean, he he was a he was a goat. Yeah, and uh, you know, those are definitely some great run and shoot uh, memories there
0: man uh i love the fact that the uh the running backs of the 91 falcons like why even bother <laughs> i mean it's just great it was like throw throw it every play the leader in rushing that year i just pulled this up had 449 yards rushing uh it's just hey, well, they kind of were, were by a trio
1: then i know mike roger was one yep, of them yep yep and uh, uh steve, steve russard
0: and eric no, with it, SMU. yeah yep yep yeah, uh Let's see. Total rushing yards was only, yeah, only 1600 total rushing yards, but Michael Haynes <laughs> averaged 22 yards a catch. <laughs> oh, that's amazing with 11 touchdowns and uh, people do not realize because I guess we're old now. They do not realize how great Andre Risen was at a time. Andre Risen was like the, you know, upper echelon wide receiver for a while. And then, Things got a little bit crazy with Andre Rison, but um, yeah, that's a great pick. That's, that's a phenomenal pick is the 91 Falcons. Well, people can follow you uh, on Twitter at Austin James uh, XFL and you are from what I understand going to be coaching in a fan operated football league for a while here before the XFL comes back. Tell me about that. Yeah, it's going to be very unique. uh, And I think it'll be
1: really cool for the fans, especially anyone listening to your audience are obviously digging into the X's and O's and want to get into the meat of football. And so what it is, it's, uh, I'm I'm not the head coach. They're giving me a unique name. I'm like the head coordinator of one of these four teams. Mm -hmm. Marshawn Lentz is involved in it. Uh, Richard Sherman, there's other few guys that are owners. And the reason I'm not the head coach is because the fans are the head coach. So, you know, I'll coordinate my team each week and, uh, you know, we get to the game and the fans are calling the plays and it's all going to be done on Twitch. So just like you're used to getting on Twitch and maybe donating the shout out to one of your favorite streamers. Well, now you get on and you pay to call the plays and then (laughs) you you can bet on what play is going to work. And then each week, if you're part owner of the team and you you sign up to join one of the teams you want to be a part of, you're literally drafting each week what your team's going to look like. So, mm. you know, I, and Johnny Manziel's involved in it. So if I, I have Manziel and he goes off for my team the next week and you're on the other team as far as one of the commissioners or, you know, executives for the team, uh, you say, well, we want Manziel in the first round. And then you get him. So each week it changes. Uh, so it's going to be a very cool, fun deal. A lot of betting involved, a lot of uh, fan controlled involved. And,
0: It'll it'll last from about February to March, all indoors. It'll be exclusively on Twitch. That sounds uh, really fun and really fascinating. And uh, I guess you know Madden players like myself, uh, that's like that's like the dream to have the players actually running things that you want them to run. So that's very interesting. And also, I learned today that. Uh, uh, a former Minnesota Lynx player, Renee Montgomery, is also involved in Marshawn Lynch's team, so that's a little Minnesota connection there. Well, AJ, you are super insightful. You have a big, giant football brain, and I love that we're like a sort of the same age, so we could talk about uh, old '90s football. So this was this was great. I learned a ton as always, and I hope we can connect again, man. Oh, absolutely, thanks, Matt.